welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a platform for both legendary and rising artists to tell their own personal stories on how they achieve stardom. R&B artist St. James, born and raised in Chicago. We spent a little bit of time in Columbus, Ohio, but he ended up moving back to Chicago. He talked to us about how he got into music, always into singing in the choir, the chorus, glee club, all that stuff. Ended up joining the army right out of high school, and he was stationed in Germany. And while he was in Germany, he formed an R&B group with some other guys in the army. And they entered this contest in Germany, ended up winning it. Then they were flown out to the United States, and they played a show at the Apollo Theater in New York City which landed them a deal as the background singers for the R&B artist Joe. From there, he started his solo career, and he was one of the first artists to use CD Baby, the music distribution company. If you're releasing music and you don't know CD Baby, look it up. Do yourself a favor and, and look it up. But they helped him tremendously. He ended up changing his name later to St. James, and he's put out a bunch of records. His most recent is a covers, throwback covers record, where he covered the 90s timeless hit, Gentle Calling Your Name. You can watch our interview with St. James on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. We'd love it if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're an Amazon shopper, a portion of your everyday purchases will help support our podcast with just a few clicks. It's super easy please head over to our website, bringingitbackwards.com, and click on Amazon each time you begin your purchases. Those few extra clicks will help keep our mission of providing a platform for both legendary and rising artists to tell their personal stories on how they achieve stardom so that all artists and music enthusiasts have access to meaningful and memorable advice that will help inspire their own musical journeys. To recap, please head over to bringingitbackwards.com and click on Amazon before you make each and every purchase. Because a portion of that purchase will add up in a big way to help support our mission. Thank you so much. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with St. James. Awesome. Well, I'm Adam, by the way, and this podcast is about your, you and your journey in music and uh, how you got to where you are now. Oh, that's what's up. Let's do it. Cool, cool. Uh, so talk to me about where were you born and raised? Uh, born in uh, Chicago, Illinois, uh, and partly raised there. And then I, my, my grandparents migrated to Columbus, Ohio for my uh, informative years, I would say. And then from that point, went to the military and then college and all that. And the rest is history. <laughs> okay. So w when did you move to uh, Columbus? Probably about when I was about six, five or six. And then I graduated high school, moved back to Chicago in my mid-20s. So I claim Chicago as home. Columbus is like pit stop. <laughs> okay. <laughs> a Buckeyes fan? Uh, you know, the Buckeyes. <laughs> hey, you know, for all the love they have for the Buckeyes in Ohio, man, they, they disappoint them more often than they, than they uh, uh, you know, reward yeah. them. <laughs> right, exactly. Totally. I just funny. My family in, in Cleveland and okay. uh, a couple of my uncles or one of my uncles went to Ohio State. Okay, and he yeah. took me to a game there. And it was wild. I mean, it yeah. seems like anything that's going on at that school is like news to yeah. Columbus. That's like that's like the they, that's like the NFL of college. You know what I mean? It's crazy. Oh yeah, it's crazy. It's yeah, really it crazy. crazy. Yeah. So well, awesome. I can't say I'm not a Buckeye fan. I just say that it's, I'm. I'm it's okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I get it. <laughs> right on. Well, how did you get to music? 
Oh man, you know, uh, as far as the industry is concerned, I, you know, in the mid '90s, I was in the military. But mm -hmm. prior to that, I've always loved music. You know, I think a lot of African Americans are kind of like we were raised with a lot of music helping us through the struggle of, of slavery, civil rights movement, mm -hmm. and all of the changes and transitions in America, man. So I think that music has been a staple of our ability to, uh, uh, you know, just to get through a lot of adversity and, and trials through our uh, in our culture. So that. I've always loved music. I think most of us do. So with that being said, being in the music industry, that's a whole different uh, beast. So I started that in the mid nineties. Okay. Were you a singer or anything growing up? Like uh, yeah, yeah, well, choir, yeah. chorus? Oh yeah. Uh, that's all I did. I didn't play sports. I did more music, glee, uh, oh, cool. you know, ensemble, senior choir, you know, talent shows, just all over the place singing. Yep. In the hallways, getting in trouble in school, always in the principal office for singing. <laughs> to the right. high <laughs> right. Do you play an instrument? No, nah, the only instrument I play is, is vocals and I produce. I, I hear so much. I just don't have the talent of, of actual musician, being a musician. I wish I did. If I had that on top of what I can do, you know, produce production wise in terms of vocals, writing mm -hmm. and arrangement. I'll be Quincy Jones, baby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you said so you're in the military and then when did you start focusing on your or trying to get into the music industry? Um, about 93, I was in the military. I went, out, went to the Army right out of high school, 18. Okay. Uh, and the, by, my, by 1993, you know, that's when they were downsizing after the, uh, the, either the, the uh, Kuwait uh, Gulf War. Mm -hmm. uh, that was quite, I think that was Gulf, yeah, the Gulf uh, War, uh, Desert Storm, around that time. Um, they, were, uh, they were downsizing. Cause the military had gotten so big and, and, you know, and so they started letting people go. So I uh, sang with an uh, R&B group and all of us were soldiers. We, that's how we formed our group as military guys. We would call ourselves at ease. Uh, oh, and which wow. is, yeah. Which is a military term for, for rest and chill out. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. <laughs> so um, they start downsizing and let us out, man, under a management contract agreement we had uh, with Joe, you know, R&B singer, Joe Thomas, mm -hmm. you know, we were saying backgrounds for him. And then with the rest is history, man. So from that point, I got bit with the industry, the music industry, in terms of looking for a certain, you know, searching for a record deal, wanting that, wanting to live that dream of, of a major label and all that stuff. That started in like '93. Oh wow. Okay. So you did you form the the R and B group while you're in the army? Yes, sir. We did. Oh, we were wow. tra traveling. We were we were all stationed in Germany, different areas of of Germany, and we came together once a week for rehearsals. And we were just singing our, that's back when Boys and Men, Shy, and Silk sure. uh, and all them, and Jodeci and all were killing the R&B game. I mean, that's when the big budgets were huge for R&B. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So, yeah. So then you you were able to sing back, back, uh, be a backup singer for, for Joe? For Joe. Yeah, that's how we, so what happened was we got a, we had a, uh, we won a talent show in Germany and the grand prize was to go to, be flown into New York, to Harlem, to the Apollo. And oh, then, wow. Yeah, so once you got to the Apollo, they, they flew us there. We didn't we didn't win, but we didn't get booed. But we were sorely disappointed because we just knew we was going to win. You know, you got to have that little cocky. You know, when you're young and you're early teens, like, you know, we're going to win. So, But we didn't get booed, which is an important thing. And it was amateur nights. The amateur night is not the same as Showtime, obviously. Showtime is more pre-produced -pre and all that in production. But amateur night is raw. Tom, Dick, and Harry, every Susie, Sally Mae there, bro. You can get booed. Kid, you you singing against a kid. We lost to a kid. Oh, it, wow. Because that's how amateur night works. Anybody, every, any, everybody yeah. can sign. 
me on that part. But and if we, you're and the kid is, they probably give a little bit more oh, grace but, period. They're like, oh, he's a cute kid. No, he was, <laughs> no, that kid was killing it. Oh, he was okay. Oh, he was thinking when a man loves a, when a man loves a woman in an all white suit, but killing. Oh, it. that's cool. <laughs> so we uh, so we were coming back after we didn't we got, we didn't get booed, so we were great about that, but. We were not happy flying all the way from Germany. Germany did not win. So, but we started singing down an escalator in Times Square. And next thing you know, someone heard us. They they get, they exchanged numbers. Next thing you know, we're 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 auditioning for Joe's uh, management team and all his and his label and stuff. And the rest is history. Wow, that's cool. So you were in Germany and you did a talent contest while you're still in the army at this point. Yes. Mm-hmm. And right after we after that happened, we got the management agreement. They wanted to, us to signed to their management company. We submitted that paperwork to the military. They let us out severance pay, severance pay and everything. Oh, we wow. Out. Yep. That's, that's impressive. That's really cool. <laughs> yes, sir. So then you get into, you, you, now you're in the industry and what, what happens next through, you know, how, you know after Joe and, and all that happened, you start paying your dues and learning how the game works. You know, you know how mm-hmm. it goes. So, <laughs> So, you know, we, we bushy eyed, young, wide eyed and just anxious. And, you know, first you got to remember, we've been we were all stationed in Germany for like three or four years. So, you know, we were missing America. We hadn't had Wendy's, McDonald's, the, the, <laughs> the, you know, girls, and, you know, women, whatever. Right. You, want, you, know, right, you know, right. Really like clothes and cross colors was hot. The, the flat tops, the gold chains. You know, we sure. were just like, we came back here and lost our minds after being over in Europe for 40 years and then. And so that so when you don't have the discipline you you need and, and what's crazy about it you would think being military guys we would we would exhibit a lot more discipline mm-hmm. in terms of what we need to do focus on to to be successful in the music business but we just could not pull it together and so when you start lacking in certain areas man the music music game don't wait on you bro they ain't, they ain't gonna wait till you get till you mature you will right. find yourself, you'll lose your opportunity because you weren't ready you know that's kind of how it goes mm-hmm. so. So that's what happened. So we kind of like didn't have the discipline and people weren't focused and, you know, you know, you know, and so the, and also Joe's uh, management situation changed. And so when them opportunities come, if you don't capitalize off them, they can change quickly as they, as you got, as they became uh, an option, they can become a non. Right. And from there, is that when you started, when did you start St. James's solo career? Okay, well, I, I used to be an artist named Stanley James, and I was really popular in Europe, in Germany, England, oh, France. Oh, wow. And I was actually one of the first artists on CD Baby to break through as, a, uh, as an independent artist on that platform. When it first, Derek Sivers is a good friend of mine, the, uh, the former president of CD Baby. Really? So, I know Derek very well. Uh, oh, he, that's a huge brand now. I mean, oh, everyone yeah. uses that for uh, distribution, <laughs> right? Correct. Yeah, but when CD Baby was in its infancy stages, I was one of the first artists to launch off of there. So, wow. I, yeah, it's crazy. So the black background is real strong. So, and see, so CD Baby was open up opportunity for me opportunity for me to uh go to europe and tour over there and sing and uh southport 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 weekender is a big festival they do out there in, in i think england every year and stuff it was just a phenomenal uh, going over there and just singing man berlin i've been to berlin sweden norway wow and my passport my passport has a few food stamps on it <laughs> just a couple <laughs> <laughs> just a couple. yes that's sir. that is so cool so, I mean, now you're able to do that independently, just yes. based on the distribution of C- CD Baby? Yeah, at the time, man, it was just because it was the internet was still, you know, that was fresh in the 90s, but the internet wasn't, wasn't as as dominant as, as a, of, a, of a platform as it is now, just from, from, from research from Google to, I mean, a, it, that's back when AOL was still big time, you know what I'm saying? AOL. Yeah, yeah. yeah oh yeah. You know, 
tuwing sale. <laughs> so, and by the way, I'm 53 and I'm proud of it. I don't care about ageism and I don't let my age uh, prohibit me from doing what I love to do and, and continue to still do it. But some people tend to put a limit on your age in, in, in terms of art and, and sports and stuff like that. I don't let I that. wouldn't. Yeah, no, you're killing it still. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. So, so when did the project change then? When did you okay, go so to St. James? Jam, yeah, well, what, what it was is I, back in, two, I want to say 2002 or four, when the industry took that shift from uh, merchandise and, you know, from, from uh, CDs and, 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 and vinyl to straight digital, mm-hmm. and that's when everything changed for me. I was shopping record deals still in 2004. Now I had label deals on the table, lots of money on opportunities, man. And what happened was, the whole industry shifted. They shut down. Remember all the labels shut down? Oh, they yeah. Structure, Clyde Davis, uh, closed, shut down. Arista went over to BMG over in Europe. Everything mm-hmm. just shifted. I was right there in the thick of all that shopping deals. Tommy Matola, Mat- I went over to uh, Casablanca, Motown. I hit them all up. And wow. I was right there. I was on the on a, uh, precipice of a lot of great situations for my music, man, as an independent artist. And right when I started having those meetings, all of a sudden I was getting phone calls back from A&R saying, hey, they, they closing the doors. Sorry. And then, so that was a heartbreak for me. So oh, I'm sure I had to reinvent myself and I took some time off to just kind of like, you know, you heal, man. Cause that's heartbreaking. So, you know, I mean, I'm out there in the blizzards of New York in the winter time shopping record deals with no money, no food, basically damn near homeless. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, just, you know, but determined. And so, you know, I just took a break and I regrouped, you know, I got a three college degree. So I went back to school, started doing other things, living my life, having children, grandbabies now and all that stuff. So, took a seven year sabbatical from, from music. And then, and then turned, I said, listen, I got to change my name because I had a lot of stuff go down with other people with my music. So, you know, I had to change my name to like Prince had to do, you know, a lot of artists have to reinvent themselves after they right. stuff as a one in one, as one persona, you got to change it. So I went with St. James and all St. James is basically that I'm, I'm basically uh, here to bring back rhythm and blues and, and lead the masses back to some real structured R&B. Because that's kind of what I consider myself. But that, that kind of, that Renaissance guy. Sure. <laughs> when, did, when did you start St. James? What year was that? Uh, 2010. Oh, okay. I had a project Seven. called Love is a Psycho I put out. Love is a Psycho and a Cycle. So uh, that, you know, that was when uh, R&B singers were singing more pop music, trying to, trying to like trans, trans, you know, cross over to, to popular music because we just, R&B started shifting from, dominance to irrelevance and so uh-huh. you know i everybody started going doing pop records i can name a lot of r&b artists that started doing pop music trying to mm-hmm. compete and they oh, sure up, yeah and our, then our genre suffered because of it now we haven't fully recovered i believe r&b currently is still on life support as a as a genre man and i don't think it got everything to do with race completely i think race is part of it because mm-hmm. when we associate r&b rhythm and blues we consider black music you know kind of like race right. music was today but I disagree with that. I think there's a lot of, because you got to remember when Justin Timberlake, Sam Smith, uh, Ed yeah. Sheeran was winning Grammys for R&B records and album mm-hmm. of the year and single of the year. So you can't really say that boxing in as a black genre anymore. But I, I digress. I just think that, you know, uh, it's definitely struggling. And I think the main, la- these, the, the mainstream labels are not uh, investing big budgets in rhythm and blues, which makes, which makes a lot of people suffer that, 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 choose this as a genre man it's tough yeah and and the genre itself is just 
you cannot be bad at what you do to be an R&B, right? Right. I mean, it's not like <laughs> you can start like a punk band and like right. get like get a fan base and on right. three chords and some yelling, right. but and like keep moving, right? You got yeah, to R&B. You get your you get your butt handed to you, boy. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, just because yeah. it's so, so much slower and you have to really know how to hit notes. Because if you yes. cannot sing, it you is like the most apparent thing ever. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> Real talk, my brother. That's so. That's why you gotta have a lot. Of, you gotta have cojones to do R and B, man. Mm -hmm. And then put yourself out there like I do as an independent man. My videos, my music, my whole brand. I ain't afraid. I'm unapologetic. I, don't I care. like that. Yeah, that's the way you gotta be, right? I mean, you have to be in people's faces. Mm -hmm. Can't be scared. <laughs> no, you can't. So once St. James starts going and and you're putting records out, are you? trying to do the tour thing again and um, you know with COVID man I'm just trying to just see how this thing pans out you know like anything else I mean we had influenza when we went through uh smallpox chicken pox oh, yeah we had to adjust to a new uh pandemic in in our in our nation in our globe our global planet so I'm just kind of like chilling back laying back we only we got to remember we're only a little over a year into this thing and people are acting like we've been dealing with COVID for 20 years. It's only been <laughs> right. years. Slow down everybody, relax, calm down with the vaccine, don't be vaccinated, vaccine. I don't want to get all that. We don't, we all don't, nobody really knows until we know. Even Fauci still, he going back and forth. He flip-flop, he don't know. He, he doesn't know what, yeah. Nobody, just relax everybody and do it, live it, live it case by case. I just had COVID three months ago and it, it really almost took me out. I had, I lost 50 pounds. I had, um, I was dehydrated, malnourished, couldn't eat, and I, it was crazy, man. So I don't dis, I don't disrespect that pandemic at all, but yeah. you know, I just I'm just taking it a moment at a time. I'm grateful to be alive, man, because it almost took me out, real talk. So I'm just wow. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you're. Oh my gosh, yeah, it's yeah, it's such a bizarre you know illness because right. some people will be asymptomatic and mm -hmm. nothing's going on, and then yeah. you could have some. I mean, you. Somebody like you, you look fairly healthy to me. Right. I mean, yeah. <laughs> like, like, and then you could just totally take you out. And it was doing yeah. that to, you know, young adults that should yeah. be, you know, in the prime of their, you know, condition or whatever. Exactly. So, excuse me. So, you know, and, you know, just, I just, I try not to get into the politics of, of the pandemic because, you know, we all are opinionated in America, which is the beauty of our country that mm -hmm. we can believe what we choose to and live the way we choose to. And then you're going to have those that don't, that don't agree with you because they're too busy worrying about what you're doing instead of worrying about their own business. And so, <laughs> right. But if you're, when you get older, you start realizing that you just can't, you got to pick your battles with, with, with people, with society, with the government, with your friends, with your close loved ones, and even your significant other. Just pick your battles. So, because you ain't, because you, uh, listen, there's somebody told me this one thing a person persuaded against their own will is of the same opinion still. So no matter how much you push them to feel different about what they truly believe, you're not going to change their position. So why argue? I love that. I've never heard that before. Yes, I sir. mean, I've heard the point, but not the way you just said it. Yes, what did you say again? That a person, a person persuaded against their will, their will, same opinion still. I like that a lot. That is that should be on a poster. <laughs> you, <laughs> hey, you can use it anytime. <laughs> that is really good. It where you got it from. <laughs> yeah. I'll do it. I'll make it in a poster and quote it and then put St. James. <laughs> I really like that. So, well, speaking of, you know, you're talking about how the R&B genre itself is kind of on life support. Is that why you chose to do this like throwback covers record? 
Yeah, I thought well, well, I got a lot of original material that's just just is on the in the same level of of, of quality. Yeah, you have, a, you have a new record out, right? Or, yeah, I got a new record called "I'm Not the Enemy," which is yeah. the first song I wrote twenty years ago or more, man. Maybe thirty years ago, my first oh, record. Oh wow! So I really, I remixed that record so many times trying to get that right formula. I had a acoustic pop vibe back in in two thousand. I just I flipped this record so many times, and this is my final. Uh, interpretation and, re- and presentation of it. I'm done. I'm too old. I'm not doing it again. So <laughs> this is final. I got a really great video with it. I think it's a it's a Grammy record to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just you know I'm not looking for a Grammy or a label situation. I'm just looking to make sure that my music. I leave a legacy of music for my children, my grandchildren, and the world that appreciates it. And sometimes you, when you, it's not until you're no longer here that people discover you and you become something more than you thought you that you end up being. You know while you're alive. So. I just if I leave if I leave the world with my legacy of music and rhythm and blues, I did my part, man. Because that's what I was called to do, and I own that. I like that. I like that a lot. But I want to talk to you about the 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 gentle cover. Okay, being gentle record. Okay. Yeah. Okay, you want to me? Yeah. So so did that start? Wait, because it came out like what during COVID? Yeah, twenty twenty. Yeah. So COVID, man. COVID was the. It was great for me. Uh, I I don't. bask in my success while well, I know a lot of people suffered during that year, man. It's been a lot of people lost loved ones. It's been a lot of, lot of loss and heartache and pain and, and uh, adversity, especially economically and health-wise for people. So, but, but to answer your question, yeah, COVID was really beneficial for me as an independent artist because everyone was home. I was engaging. I'm on social media. I'm live. I'm talking to the people. I'm pro- promoting like a madman. And it just blew up for me on an independent level right after that. We were about 3 million streams, 2.7, 2.8 million streams on the single. Almost seven million, seven million on the throwback EP, hitting about seven million. I mean, that's 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 big numbers for independent. You that's know what I mean? huge. That's huge numbers for anyone, right? <laughs> <laughs> Let alone being independent. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. So being gentle, man. That record was uh, one of the, one of my favorite songs as a kid. I remember slow dancing with a girl. One of my some one young lady. I, I actually was my high school like uh, crush and. Sure. Uh, so I told myself when I got older, I want to remake the record. I researched the record to see who had covered it since. Only one person, a, a cat named Bino. He did an R&B version. I mean, a jazz, like a Kenny yeah. G saxophone okay. version. It's pretty dope. But I got permission from the original author and composer, Jerry Mims, who's a friend of me, mine and my, my brother and I. And um, he told me I could have carte blanche with the record. He said, just do what you do. He said, I've been listening to your stuff and how you work. He said, I know you're going you're gonna to kill it. Just go ahead and have free reign, do your thing, and then send it to me. I'll let you know how I want to proceed. I sent him the record, final mix. He hit me back immediately and said, listen, I will be remiss not to show you love here. He said, so I'm going to give you 50% publishing to your version. So I own half of that record. Wow. Come on, that man. That is so, incredible. That is that's incredible. incredible. I've heard of in the music industry. People ain't giving up publishing. No, so no way. <laughs> so that's how that record started, man. And it's, it's my flagship flagship record outside in terms of independence uh this this next uh, go around in my career and i'm just you know i'm excited about what's been going on i'm just relishing in the moment man i'm, I'm trying to help i got new artists i'm putting i got my own label promotions company um i'm doing a lot of things independently you gotta have multiple streams of income and you definitely gotta be a jack of all trades you just can't be stuck in one position and at my age i'm a ceo and an artist and a lot of times as an artist because they still see me as a singer they don't realize I'm the brainchild behind a lot of the stuff you see business wise. And so you right. get people talking to you like an artist and I have to say, pump the brakes. <laughs> I'm the, I'm the boss. Right. So right. 
And so I'm looking for a manager if you know anybody. <laughs> but, but that manager gotta has gotta have his own stuff. Can't be coming and try to take my take my pot in my pocketbook, in my piggy bank. Uh-uh. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And that's what you have now, right? You have the leverage to do that, especially with the internet because everything is, is so like black and white when it comes to numbers, like people can go on your thing and be like, Oh, who's St. James? Is he anybody? Oh, wow. His new song has, you know, 1.5 million plays or whatever it is. It's like, Oh, he (laughs) is legit. Right. Exactly. And that's cool. And I just try to keep my ego out of this thing at this point in my life, man. You know, ego is not always a negative connotation. I think it, it just means you you take pride in who your ego becomes a negative when you think you're better and above other people and you don't have any regard for other people's position on things. Mm-hmm. But in this I, industry, it's very easy to get caught up in the, the negative side of ego. And, but, you know, then people would look at you as arrogant. Right. You know, so like that stuff. I try to I'm too grown. I'm different mindset. I know I love that. I'm doing this for the love of the music, man. And cause ain't no, cause it's really not money in music in the music industry right now for independent artists. No, it's not paying well because we got We need legislation passed to, to protect musicians, artists and uh, composers and engineers and anybody involved like the union. You know, you can't, you, you can be an actor. You got the SAG, you got all the protection, the unions, I mean, you can't do nothing to an actor without getting in trouble. So it needs right. to be the thing for musicians and, and, and artists out here, man, we have no protection. No. And especially when it comes to streaming and everything else, I have, right. I have oh, a handful yeah. of friends that will, that are streaming these, I mean, you know, you stream yeah. these big numbers and it equates and to like nothing, nothing, bro. I'm, 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 I'm a testament. I wait, I raise my hand in, in, in integrity and transparency. I can put up big numbers and I'm just not seeing the residual, bro. It's not cool. Right. See, it's not making sense to make records. If I've been spent five grand on a record to make a song, and I can't even make that back to break even to make another one. So at least if I made the five, six grand back, I could take that and do another record. It makes right. sense. Then I build right. an fan base and traction based upon the sheer work ethic. But mm-hmm. if I can't make that money back that I spent to make the record, how can I continue? I can't, I'm, I'm hemorrhaging money at that point. It's not making business sense. I have a master's degree in business. And it don't <laughs> make sense if I can't t- take my product and capitalize off of what I made to go back and keep making it. If Nike right. can if Nike didn't make money off Jordans, how can they keep making Jordans? Right. If they're if they're paying ten dollars to make a pair of shoes and selling them for nine dollars, yeah. <laughs> obviously they're not. That ain't working out for them. Exactly. But that's exactly how it is for the music industry for artists now that make records. It's ridiculous. Come on, man. Not cool. Yeah, because the companies that are uh, are making the money are the Spotify's of the world that you're paying like a monthly service fee too, right? Like I right. pay, yeah. you know, whatever, three or $5 a month. So I don't have to listen to commercials, but right. then right. all, all their Spotify is just taking that money. And then they're like, Oh, you, you, somebody stream your song. Here's 0.03% right. of one penny. <laughs> You're like, Oh, right. thanks. <laughs> 10, years ago, 10 years ago, you was getting 70 to 90 cents per download. Right. Right. Man, right. Dude, if, if, if I was still getting download money, you know how much money I have right now in my pocket for the right. I just put be ridiculous. But right. It, okay, so anyway, I'm you know, I'm at the point now where I'm gotta make some decisions on on continuing on with it, man, because it's not making any good, it's not making business sense to me anymore. So I love it, but it's gotta start making business sense because it's listen, because the engineers, the producers, the major people that do this are not reducing their prices to to go with the economy. Come on, mm-hmm. artists can't afford this stuff, but they're not. They're they're raising prices. How can you raise your prices as an engineer and a producer if the artists ain't even making money off the record once they finish paying you? Right. Come on, and then they're gonna take part of your money, right? Exactly. 
Oh, well, start. I produced that, so right. I need a percent. Oh, man. Well, are you still writing writing new music? Oh, yeah, I got a lot of new music and cute videos already. Done. I'm sitting on about a whole, man, just so much music and, and content. So I can literally not sit right here on my computer at home and, and rock the internet without leave out and get not changed clothes. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Uh, that's awesome well you're doing awesome dude i love what i love the records that you put out so far and and i was listening to it earlier today i loved simple man was a great song that you have out yeah my pops man 77 years old killing them right now 100 uh, 1.3 million 1.3 million streams on that record in like not even two months is it really your dad on the album? Yes, yeah, my father. I saw it said Pops, and I didn't realize it. I didn't put it all together. Well, see, everybody, because everybody's got that program mind. It's such a narcissistic industry. Think about it. Everybody's me, me, I, I. But I'm like the Quincy Jones to my independence. So what I'm saying to you is my Pops is this artist on the record, but I produced the record. So Quincy Jones used to be Quincy Jones featuring Tevin Campbell, Quincy Jones featuring Tamia, James right. Ingram, Patty Austin. That's, I'm, doing, I'm taking a page out of that book where my brand gets to be a part of the process because I'm the producer without me being in the videos like Diddy all the time. <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah, it's a great record, man. I like yes, it a sir. lot. Yes, sir. So, you awesome. know, yes. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, St. James, for doing this, man. I appreciate it. Oh, real quick, you can find me on my official website, stjames.com, all social media platforms. I'm everywhere. Google me, S-A-I-N-T-J-A-I-M-Z. I strictly do this for the love of the art, and I'm an R&B connoisseur, ride or die. And uh, I love uh, I, I love music. I love people. I love helping people, independent artists. If you need something, hit me up. I'm a tangible artist, regular dude that just happens to do music. I make music. Music don't make me. Let's get it, baby. I love that. <laughs> I have one more quick question for you. Do you have any advice for aspiring artists? Yes. I say you have to be really serious. This is not a hobby. If you're doing this for a hobby, then go ahead and play Skittles or somewhere or, or uh, well, <laughs> play with some Skittles <laughs> if you're trying to do this for a hobby. But if you're really trying to do this music thing for real, you need to learn. It's a research game. It's uh, learning from people that have already been through what you're going to go through. You're not going to escape paying your dues. So get over the, tr the, 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 tr the trauma and the, the drama of the industry and focus on the art and the business because a lot of these artists don't know the business. And then get yourself a good team of people that support you and believe in what you're doing and, and listen to them. And if you're a singer, you got to have other singers around you to hear how you sing. A lot of our singers are in the booth by themselves with just them and an the engineer. And there's no other ears to say that's pitchy, that's off, that key's not right. You could have sang it like this and help. So I got a team, man. That's important. And you learn it as you get older. You can't do everything by yourself.